Well, good morning, Summit Church. Good morning. Wow, and the rest of you, good morning. You look so good today. What a wonderful, wonderful crowd this morning. To all of you that are watching online, we're delighted to have you with us today. We trust this will be a great day and a great time of blessing to you. I want to take a moment and just uh, do a couple of things here. Pastor Wilson asked me if I would mention to you and bring to you some good news. How many of you like good news? We're taking a vote here. How many of you like good news? Half of my church in Arkansas was Southern Baptist. And how many of you know Southern Baptists like to vote? I want you to know. Amen. And how many of you know in today's world we need some good news? The good news is this, that uh, we are moving incredibly fast on the new building. And soon we're going to be in that building. And... Uh, I just, uh, I want to take a moment. You saw uh, Caleb here a moment ago, Brother Caleb Santa Cruz. How many of you like that guy? He's a wonderful guy, isn't he? He's our youth leader. And he put together, he put together a group of young people, took them over to the new site where it's under construction. And you got to see this. They are now in the process of painting. And if you know anything about construction, when you get to the painting part, it's not going to be long till we're going to be there. I want you to take a look at this right here. Maybe there you go right there. Come on. How many of you know when you, when you work on it, you own it. Amen. Amen. Give me another picture. Look at this incredible right there. Amen. All right. Give me another picture right there. That, that is just absolutely, I, I love to see, I like to see young people. I'm, I'm committed to the next generation. Amen. Have I got one more picture? Yes. Right there. I don't know. That kind of looks like Zach to me praying over that pole there. I don't know exactly what that is, but uh, just want to take a moment and why don't we just give our youth department a great hand for a great job. And also... I want to commend our construction management team that is out there doing such an incredible job. And also for uh, the folks that volunteer. How many of you know volunteers are a wonderful, wonderful thing? And uh, we need to just celebrate all the volunteers that are making this happen. Uh, we, we thank God. Thank God for that today. Well, it is, of course, the month of July. How many of you knew that? This is a very, very uh, special month for, for Carol and I. The last day of this month, July 31st, we will have been married 56 years. In fact, stand up, my dear. Come on. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Yes, indeed. 56 years. I know you're wondering, that can't be right. I married her when she was four years old is how all this worked out. Amen. She is a wonderful Christian, a great prayer warrior. She carries a daily prayer list, praise on it. I hope I'm on that list. She is an incredible woman, a great Bible student. She studies the Word of God and a great teacher. And uh, had an interesting experience this week. Uh, we've been married 56 years, but we still laugh a lot. How many of you know that? We actually still court and hold hands. And uh, once in a while, even when I'm preaching, she makes eyes at me and I get off my subject when that happens. But... Uh, Hey, it's okay to laugh. How many of you know we're living in a world right now where there's not much laughter and joy going on? If there's any place that ought to be happy, it ought to be church. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, lighten up, honey. It's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> but we, <laughs> we, uh, we had a unique experience. At least it was for me. I was, uh, she was studying and I came in and I quoted her a verse from the Bible about wives loving their husbands. And I was really building a good biblical basis for that. How many of you know you can take the Bible and just about prove anything if you want to? And so I'm getting ready to walk out of the room and she says, wait a minute, I have a verse for you, sir. 
I said, okay. She said, are you aware that it's in the book of, it's in the Bible? It says that God spoke to Sarah and actually told Abraham to do everything that Sarah tells you to do. Now, I got to be honest. I've been, I read the Bible through every year. I've been a student of the Bible for 56 years. I challenged her on that. I said, I don't think that's in the Bible. She said, okay, big boy. She said, how about Genesis 21, 12? It was in the Bible. Sorry about that, all you husbands. I'm sorry about that. Amen. Our pastor, JP, how many of you thank God for our pastor and his wife, JP and Melissa? Incredible. Carol and I, of course, we've been in ministry, uh, you know, 150 years, but uh, it, it's just a joy to be a part of this church. And I'm enjoying, for the first time in my life, for the first time in my life, I'm actually sitting in a church and just a member of the church. So if anybody comes to me and complains about anything, I say, man, I have no idea. Talk to the pastor about this. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, but uh, Pastor JP has been speaking on an incredible subject, upgrades. Have you enjoyed that? It's a series of messages on the fruit of the Spirit that's found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You might want to open your Bible. We're going to read that in a moment. And uh, there are a total of nine fruit of the Spirit. How many of you knew that? How many of you did not know that? How many of you do not care about that? Yes. There are a total of nine of them. And uh, so he has spoken, he's covered three of them in the past three Sundays. And uh, the week before last, he gave me a call and he said, we're going to, Melissa and I are going to take a few days off. Would you be willing to speak uh, for me on July 5th and continue the series on the fruit of the spirit? And I said, man, I would be honored to do that. And so I did the math. I thought about it. He has spoken three times on love, joy, peace. You remember that? So I said, well, that number four would be in your Bible is long suffering or patience. And uh, so I put together uh, a message for that and I was all ready to go. And then about three or four days ago, I got a text from the pastor and he said, uh, Kemp, would you be willing to speak on faith, which is number seven? I said, since I'm a submitted member, I said, uh, yes, yes, I will. I'll be happy uh, to do that. Uh, he jumped from number four, which is long suffering to faith. Don't you just love our pastor? I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I just love that. And uh, he knows how to move because uh, the fruit of the spirit called faith is the most difficult one of the nine. <laughs> you know why? Because it is listed in the Bible not only as a fruit of the Spirit, but also as a gift of the Spirit. And Bible translators, now here's the predicament I've been in. Bible translators cannot really agree on whether it should be translated in your English Bible as faith. That's what it says in the King James. You go to the New King James, it's translated faithfulness. Another translation reads fidelity. Brother J.P., I want to thank you. You're able to pass the ball in an incredible way. So one of the, one of the things that you got to think about here is that faith is called both a fruit. Hold your left hand up. That's your other hand, your left, your left hand. Everybody say with me, a fruit. Faith is a fruit. 
But the Bible also says, and I'm going to show you in a moment, it is called a, put your right hand up, a gift. Say it with me, a fruit and a gift. Which is it? Great. I like all the confidence that is in this room. Uh, so uh, pick up your Bibles. Let's, let's, let's see which one you decide. Galatians 5, 23. Everybody has it say yes. For all you delinquents, it's going to be on the board, right? Right here. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, I love this, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. This is the New King James. Faith meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, I'm going to share with you in the next few moments three statements. I would encourage you to just make a note of these three statements, either uh, in your, on your iPad, iPhone, pencil, paper, whatever. I want to, first of all, talk about and, and call your attention to the importance of the Holy Spirit in this passage. Notice that the opening words of this passage are, look at it, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, patience, long-suffering, all of that. These characteristics, which we all want to have in our lives, are produced by the Holy Spirit. They're not the results of human effort. How many of you here have everybody, ever heard anybody say, you know, I'm really trying to love you? <laughs> that really makes you day, doesn't it? But I've discovered that real love is not the result of just trying or hoping or wishing. Notice this, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit, fruit is the result of a tree having more sap, more energy, more life than it needs to survive. And when it has an overflow of life, it produces without any struggle, wonderful fruit. The Holy Spirit is the life and sap of a Christian. It is the outburst, the outflow, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it. He said these words. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, watch this, out of his innermost being shall flow, everybody say with me, flow, flow. rivers of living water. Those rivers of living water express themselves in fruit. There's a great old text in the Old Testament. Don't look it up. You can look it up. Uh, believe me, after my wife's experience with uh, having to uh, call her hand on a verse and finding out it was in the Bible, I'm checking all references now. But there, there is a text in the Old Testament that says, the trees of the Lord are full of sap. Boy, that's a good statement. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be sappy, honey. Amen. <laughs> you need the sap of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, the greatest thing, the greatest thing that has happened in my life. Now listen to this. I've been a Christian for 50, almost 60 years. The greatest thing that has ever happened in my life after accepting Jesus as my Savior was when Jesus filled me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I mean, something powerful took place in my life, and I have been reaping the benefit of that for more than 50 years. 
And I want to tell you today that this is true. The fruit of the Spirit is the product of being full of the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit. How many of you are believers here today? If you're a believer, put your right hand up with me and say, I'm a believer and not a doubter. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit, but all believers are not full of the Holy Spirit. It's like a glass. A glass can have water, but not necessarily be full of water. There, there is a difference. And, and in my own experience, I accepted Jesus. I was born again. My name was in the book of life. That's a wonderful thing. But then I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly things begin to come to light in my life. Let me explain it this way. Several years ago, my wife and I were preaching a revival in Jennings, Louisiana. Most of you have never even heard of Jennings, Louisiana. It was a little small church in very, uh, very, uh, what shall I say, very pretty stoic. And you understand what I'm saying? I mean, Everything was decently and in order, believe me. And a, uh, a radio station there in Jennings uh, heard about the revival and wanted to do an interview with me on the air. So I did an interview on the air and I talked a little bit about what God was doing and, and talked about Jesus and a group, this is going to tell you how long ago it was, a group of hippies heard the interview. Anybody remember were some of any of you, were you a hippie? Anybody here, you were a hippie? Let me see your hand if you were a hippie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see some hippies here. And so these hippies heard this interview and they invited me to come and speak to their group at their flop house. Y'all know what a flop house is? I'm telling you, and you know, I'll preach anywhere. I mean, you invite me to preach, I preach. I preach in bars, I preached everywhere, preached on the street. And so I wasn't totally ready for this. I walked in this flop house, whatever that's supposed to be. And, and I mean, it was full of young people. And uh, there were no chairs. They were all sitting on the floor and the tables had cut, they cut the legs off. The tables were about this tall and you needed a fan to get through the smoke. And I shared with them about Jesus, and long story short, many of them accepted Jesus as their Savior, and then they decided that day that they would start coming to the revival. Nice. <laughs> now, you got to understand this. We started our evening service. They got there a little bit late, and all of a sudden, the back doors of the church popped open, and they marched in single file down the center aisle, and every one of them, they passed up all the seats, set on the floor, right in front of the platform, in front of everybody. Oh, buddy, the song leader, the worship leader got completely off key and finally lost his place. The pastor almost needed heart, uh, uh, something for his heart. Long story short, man, they turned that church upside down, and God gave us a great revival. We went on, and many of them were wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit. I will never forget this. A young hippie walked up to me after he'd accepted Jesus and was later filled with the Spirit. And he said to me, he said, preacher, I got to tell you something. I said, all right. He said, I've been struggling all my life to read the Bible. And even after, after accepting Jesus, I, 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 it's hard to read the Bible. 
But he said, when, when the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm telling, this was the way he explained it. He said, it is the difference between watching black and white and color TV. He said, the Bible now looks like it's in full color. How many of you know the Holy Spirit can make the Word of God live in your life? Oh, come on. Let's give a hand to the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, how many of you know that's an upgrade? Now, my second statement is a question. How many of you like questions? Great. I don't think I saw one hand. The earlier service, more spiritual than you, there were three hands in the earlier service. You know why we don't like questions? It forces us to think. And in many churches, people check their brains at the door when they come in. Walk in, plop down on the seat, fold their arms, cross their legs, lower their chin. Say, now preacher, you bless me if you can. But questions force us to think. Here's the, here's, the, here's the second statement. It's a question. Is faith, I talked about it a moment ago, is faith a fruit? Put your left hand out here. Say, right there. Say fruit. Or is it a gift? What, what do you think? What, what do you think? All right, first of all, in the text, the Bible clearly states that fruit is faith. Faith is a fruit. Look at this in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and what? Faith. Faith. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, not only do you find that faith is a fruit, you find the Bible refers to it as a gift. Look at it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, 9, and 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. So here's what you have. You have one text that says that, that faith is a, a fruit, and another text that says faith is a gift. Hmm. Which, which is it? Now, here's, here's, here's the thing that complicates it even more. This is why the translators struggle with it as to how it needs to be translated. Because the word, the word faith in, in, in Galatians 5 and in 1 Corinthians 12 is the same Greek word. So why is it sometimes described as a fruit and other times as a gift? I think the one way to understand this is to understand that this Greek word that is translated faith, and I'm not trying to impress you with my Greek, but it is the Greek word pistis. And if you look it up in the original language, it has a dual meaning. It has a, a, double, a double definition, so to speak. It can mean two things. It, it's, it's best, maybe, maybe we can understand this, to get this to, to focus is to talk about the difference between a Christmas tree. I hate to bring that up in July. I just got my Christmas stuff put up from last year. And now Christmas is going to be here in two weeks, you know. Uh, the difference between a Christmas tree and an apple tree. Now think about that for a moment. 
How many of you here have an imagination? Okay, I'm going to help you right now. I need two volunteers. I need two men to volunteer to come up here and help me. I want to do a little demonstration. You're going to do it. You're the guys hoping would come. Now, you can volunteer or I'll draft you. You'll still have to do it, but you'll lose your reward. Come on, man. All right, man. Give me, give me one more. I'm looking for one more somewhere, somewhere right here. You're, you're good right there. Come on. Let's give these guys a good hand. I like guys like this. I hang around with a lot of guys like this because if I run into somebody I can't cast the devil out of, this guy can cast them and the devil out. <laughs> Stand right there. All right, since you're not really great on your imagination right here, I'm, I'm going to help you for just a moment. And uh, I'll just start right here with you, Brent, and we're going to let you be a Christmas tree. <laughs> Come on. How do you like my artwork? Great. Come on. Really good, yes. And I'm going to let you be an apple tree. Turn around right there. Now, all of us know, all of us know that a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree has gifts in our culture under the tree, but originally gifts at Christmas time were actually attached or tied to the tree. How many of you knew that? How many of you didn't know that? How many of you don't care about that? No, that, that's, that's important. The, the reason that we've changed this culture is you have a hard time tying a new car on a tree. <laughs> All right. My apple tree, my apple tree right here has apples. That's your limb right there. Good. There you go. And uh, I'm going to help you a little bit more. This is a fruitful apple tree. Just kind of hold that right there. Man, you're looking great. Thank you for saying. <laughs> now, now, I want you to think about this for a moment. This Christmas tree has gifts attached, and with a single act, this gift can be accepted. Now, this, this gift really has nothing to do with the content of the tree. I mean, this, this tree right here did not grow this gift. It could be a fir tree, but yet it, could, it has attached to it a diamond watch. That's just figuratively speaking. That's, that's not what this, no, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. But you can simply go up and, and by, by a single act, take that gift. In one sense of the word, there are many gifts that are available to us just like that. We don't have to do anything other than just receive them. For example, how many of you know the gift of salvation is like that? You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You just, by faith, receive it. It's not of yourselves. Let me give you a verse. The Bible said, for by grace, through faith, are we saved, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. How many of you here have accepted the gift of salvation, and you thank God for it? It's wonderful. Now, not only is that true of the gift of salvation, but the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I read to you, 8, 9, and 10, are also offered to us. They're called gifts of grace. We don't have to do anything to, des to deserve them or earn them. God just bestows those gifts upon us if we will accept them and receive them. Now, 
Just hold that a minute. Now, this tree is very different from this tree because the fruit on this tree, these beautiful, delicious apples, are not gifts that are just attached there. They are the result of what the content and the heart and the sap and the energy and the life that is in this tree is producing in the fruit. Now, in order to produce this kind of fruit, you've got to cultivate this tree. You've got to water this tree. It takes time. Say with me, time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes care. How many of you know just because you got saved, you just don't go to bed one night, wake up the next morning, and you have love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness? How many of you, since you have accepted the gift of grace, yet you still have some things that are not like they should be, but you'd like for them to be like they should be? I'm taking a vote here. Now, what the difference is, many Christians stop at the Christmas tree. They receive the gift. But the kind of faith that will sustain us is not an instant receipt like this Christmas gift, but rather it is through the process of growth, of nurture, of care, of, of developing this. This is a growing process. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a Christmas tree or an apple tree? Ask them that right now. That's exactly, that is a very good question. Because the kind, stay with me now, y'all are a great crowd, I want you to know. There's a wonderful, wonderful presence of God here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, honey, we're better folks than most folks think we are. Tell them, tell them that right, right now. Amen. Listen, listen, God, God, I believe has brought us here today to take us to a whole new level of faith. One, listen to this, one over here is about ability. It's the gifts that God gives us. How many of you thank God for his gifts? Amen. I say this very, I say this very humbly. I, I really mean this. God has given to me some, some gifts. They're not, let me tell you, I was raised on a dirt road, on a farm. My daddy was a strawberry farmer. I mean, I'm telling you, I was, I was the last guy in my class that you'd ever thought would be doing what I'm doing right now. What is it about? It's God gave me gifts. Wonderful gifts. This is about abilities. These are the gifts of God. This is about character. Have you ever met somebody that was very gifted but was short on character? Don't, don't raise your hand. No, we, we all know that. We all know that. Now, now, which one is more important? Well, realistically... I believe you figured it out, man. Realistically, realistically, and I'm going to balance it in a moment, gifts are temporary. There will come a day when we won't need gifts, according to 1 Corinthians 13. We need them now, but there will come a day when we won't need them. But character will be with us and determines what our life is going to be like in eternity. Amen. Character is what lives on and on and on. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to have one above the other. What we need to understand is that God wants to develop both of these in our lives in balance. 
Now, I started to have a third guy come up, but I decided I'd do it myself. In the Old Testament, the high priest, listen to this. In the Old Testament, the high priest, when he walked behind the veil once a year on the Day of Atonement, had on his robe, and the hem of his robe was hemmed in golden bells and woven pomegranates, bells and fruit. And when he walked, these bells bumped against the pomegranates and gave a beautiful little ring, a beautiful little sound, showing to us that God wants a balance between fruit and gifts. Y'all just looking at me or y'all listening? <laughs> now, I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the fruit of faith. We know a little bit about the gift of faith, but I want to talk about the fruit of faith. This is not something that you just take off the tree. This is something that you must develop, and it is amazing the change that this will make in your life. I want you to give a good hand to the Christmas tree and the apple tree. Now, I want to put it, I want to put it like this. One of these expresses gifts expressibility fruit expresses character very very important but you do not need to choose one at the expense of the other we need to really understand that now what produces this is the third statement what produces the fruit of faith what produces the fruit of faith now we can, actually, we can actually view the fruit of faith. Say with me, the fruit of faith. It can be viewed from two different aspects, according to the Greek word. One has to do with trust. Say it with me, trust. The other has to do with trustworthiness. That the fruit of faith, grown and nurtured and developed over time, produces trust and trustworthiness in our life. Now let's talk for a moment about trust. The fruit of faith in the aspect of trust is a quiet, steady, unwavering trust in the goodness, wisdom, and faithfulness of God. This kind of, this kind of faith grown in the process of growth is the kind of faith that looks adversity, difficulty, reversals, confusion, misunderstanding, everything imaginable and says, I don't understand it, I can't explain it, I don't necessarily like it, but I have come to the place that I am going to trust God, his goodness, his wisdom, his love, his mercy. No matter what takes place, God is got this and he is working all things for my good. Amen. Now, now, this kind of trust is faced or is expressed in an attitude or a spirit of being calm and restful. Anybody in this room think we need a little bit of calm and restful right now? Amen. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I think our pastor was led by the Holy Spirit to move me from number four to number seven. Because I think this is a message that we need in today's atmosphere, in today's culture. 
No matter what trials, no matter what disasters, no matter what is happening in our world, the person who has developed faith as a fruit can remain calm and restful in the midst of it all. He has an unshakable confidence that God is still in complete control of every situation and that God is working and it will come to pass for the best in our lives. Can I hear an amen to that? How many of you would like to live, how many of you would like to walk in that kind of faith? Amen. Oh, man, I run into people today. Oh, my God, Pastor Holden, I don't know what in the world we're going to do. Have you seen the stock market lately? Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, it looks like we're going to lose everything. My goodness. How, how many of you know God is not in a panic state in heaven? I mean, God is not saying, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. The Dow Jones average is down. <laughs> how many of you know God Almighty is still on the throne? He's still in charge. He has never stopped being in charge. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. I mentioned to you a moment ago talking about my wife. She's actually a better Christian than me. She is. I, I can tell you that. Do you know what her favorite verse is in the Bible? This is, this is the honest truth. This is her favorite. It's not my favorite. I, I believe it, but it's not my favorite. And she quotes her favorite verse to me virtually on a daily basis. You know what it is? Romans 8 and 28. Somebody else has a favorite. <laughs> you know what it says? And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. That's her favorite verse. All things work together for good. Now, let me tell you something. It doesn't say all things are good. How many of you know that sometimes bad things happen to good people? But if we understand that verse and we understand the fruit of faith, we come to the conclusion that no matter what is going on, no matter what is happening, God is able to make it all work together for my good. Come on, somebody. Let's don't pat a cake. Let's give the Lord a good hand for that. Now, the outward expression of this kind of faith is stability. If you, if you develop this kind of trust, everybody say with me, trust. Well, you know, I don't know how long ago this was, but somebody I, I believe was directed by, by the Lord. You know what's on your money? American money? In God we what? You know what trust means? Trust means I don't have to understand it. I can't explain it. It's not necessarily what I would like or want, but I am trusting God. God, and God is going to take care of this. Listen to this in Psalm 125, verse 1. Here's what it says. They that trust, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. Look at this. Which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Look, look at this verse. They that trust in the Lord, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Amen. God wants you not only to have the kind of faith that saves you, the kind of faith that produces miracles of healing and deliverance, and I've had many of those in my own life, 
But God wants to grow in us through maturing us a kind of faith that trusts God without doubting or wavering. We may not see the answer, but we know where the answer is going to come from. They that trust in the Lord shall, look at this in the Living Bible. Those who trust in the Lord are steady as Mount Zion. I love this next phrase, unmoved by any circumstance. You got to forgive me. I think I'm going to enjoy that myself for a moment. God, if, if this is the time when God's people need to be steady. When everybody else is falling apart, we need to be steady. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Now, this kind of faith, how many of you here would like to have that kind of faith in your life? I'm taking a vote here now. Let me see your hand. You'd like to have that kind of faith in your life. I'm going to teach you in the next few moments how to get that kind of faith. This will be worth coming to church on the 4th of July weekend. I want you to make a note of this. This kind of faith requires two things. An act. Say it with me. An act. And number two, an attitude. Say it with me. An attitude. An act and a... Somebody said it's your attitude and not your aptitude that will determine your altitude. Now, I want you to go with me. I want you to go with me to a verse that actually has the two ingredients that will produce the kind of faith that we saw on the apple tree. Psalm 37, 5. You've got to look at this verse. I would encourage you to memorize this verse. Here's what it says. Commit thy way unto the Lord. That is an act. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, that's an attitude. You make the commitment. You commit your way to the Lord. You've committed your soul. You've committed your soul to God and God is going to, how many of you are confident that God's going to take care of your soul and you're going to spend eternity with Jesus? Let me see your hand. You've got that kind. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And then the attitude is trust also in him. That's trust. Trust also in him. Look at this. I, I love the verse. Let me read the rest of this. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know what that phrase, bring it to pass, literally means? And he is doing it. Ha! Huh. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he's doing it. Whew. Commit your marriage to the Lord. Trust also in him. He's doing it. He said, you don't know the guy I'm married to. <laughs> no, but God does. God can clean his plow, honey, so fast. Just give him a chance. Commit your children to the Lord. Commit your grandchildren to the Lord. Commit your business to the Lord. Commit your retirement to the Lord. Well, if I did that, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. Dog. That might be a good life. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Now, committing, making a commitment to the Lord, let me illustrate it. 
is like taking cash to the bank. You take your money to the bank and you commit it, you deposit it, you place it there in the hands of the teller and he or she gives you a receipt, has the date on it, the amount on it, all about the transaction. You put that in your pocket and you never worry about that. You, you, you trust them because you've committed your money to them. It's an amazing thing to me that we can put so much trust in an earthly institution and we struggle with committing our lives into the hands of the eternal God who has never failed, who has never gone back on his word, who is absolutely trustworthy. Can I hear an amen to that? Oh, yes. I, I want to encourage you today. S some of you need to, need to make a deposit. You need to commit your life completely and totally to him and trust also in him. Now, let me make a statement. Trust of this kind is in the realm of the spirit. Say with me, the spirit. spirit. It's, talking about, it's talking about your recreated spirit. How many of you know you have a recreated spirit because you've been born again? How many of you have a new spirit? Let me see your hand. Of course, you have the Holy Spirit. He's resident there. But even in the human spirit, you make that kind of, of commitment or trust. That's in the realm of the spirit rather than the emotions. Now, how many of you know that if we're not careful, our emotions can get out of hand? How many of you have ever had your emotions take control of your life? If you lie, you fry. <laughs> No, we do that. I mean, situation goes bad, and man, we get all emotional. That's from your emotions. Here's what you need to understand. Your recreated spirit is stronger than your emotions if you will begin to develop it and feed it and nurture it and let it come to full strength. You can live out of your spirit and not out of your emotions. That's a good statement if I did make it. Now, listen to this. I want you to look at a verse that is extremely important here today. Psalm 56, verse 3. This is an interesting verse. David wrote, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid. This was a discovery for me. I've heard all of my life that faith and fear cannot be present at the same time in your heart or mind. You probably heard that yourself. Somebody never read that verse. That says, what time I am afraid, David wrote this. I will trust in you. Do you know that fear in your life and heart may come, but if you have matured your fruit of faith, that fruit of faith causes you to be steady and confident and assured that this situation is going to be taken care of by God. And as you begin to dwell on that attitude, it suddenly begins to lift fear from you because you now begin trusting God. How many of you are glad I said that? How many of you, how many of you, since you've become a Christian, 
in spite of everything you could do, once in a while, fear has jumped up in your life. All of us have done that. But this verse tells me that if I will nurture and develop and, and, and feed and, and strengthen and fertilize and water the fruit tree, I can have a trust that will enable me to be sustained with a steady hand through all circumstances. Now, I do not have time to do the second part of this, but this kind of faith, this kind of faith, the fruit of faith, not only will produce in me trust toward God, but it will increase, it will cause in me rather to begin to manifest trustworthiness, dependability, integrity, fidelity. How many of you would like to have all of those characteristics in your life as you live your life? You'd like to be known as a person that is trustworthy, that is dependable, that is reliable. That is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is developed by growing in the fruit of faith you become trustworthy. That's why the translators have been able in, in, to translate it both ways. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. That's my personal uh, walk and relationship with God to where I trust Him no matter what. And as a result of that, I become trustworthy or dependable or faithful. How many of you know we're going to be judged by how faithful we are? That faithfulness does not just come from our own human wishing we had it, but rather as a result of the fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness. Can I hear an amen to that? I wrote something down. Here they are. There are two things God will never do. One, break his covenant or go back on what he has said. God's trustworthiness imparted by the Holy Spirit will reproduce the same characteristics in us. It will make us persons of unfailing integrity, faithfulness, and honesty. How many of you here would like to grow and nurture and bring to maturity the fruit of faith? Let me see your hand. Father God, I just I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in this place. I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, help us to recognize that it's wonderful to receive the gift of faith, but the thing that will sustain us is the fruit of faith. I thank you for it. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. I'd like to do something that might be a little bit different. And I'm aware that we're here today uh, with, under some difficult circumstances as far as uh, the pandemic and all of that. So I'm not going to have you come forward, but I, I really feel I would like to pray for you. How many of you here will say, just in a moment of honesty, just gut-level honesty, Pastor Holden, to be honest with you, there's a lot of stress and anxiousness and even fear in my heart and life right now. I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. If, if I were to die, I'd go to be with the Lord. But boy, I'm, I'm just not as steady as I want to be. I'm not just as, I'm just, I'm just not as, as, as steady as I want to be. And I'd like for you to include me 
in, in your closing prayer. I'd like to do that. Many of you are already lifting your hands and that's a good thing, but let me tell you what I'd like for you to do. Right where you are, and I want you to come forward, but I want you just to, to take a step of faith right now. I want you to stand up and I'm gonna pray for you and I want you to claim the fruit of faith to be developed in your life. Just stand up. If that's you, get up on your feet right now. Amen, amen. Just God, wow, okay, all right. This is, this. I've described briefly the kind of world we're living in and God is wanting us to be different from the way they're handling it. God wants us to be steady. God wants us to be confident. God wants us to be loving. God wants us to be joyful. God wants us, amen, to be faithful. Can I hear an amen to that? Father God, I pray for every man and woman that is on their feet right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I've endeavored to deliver to them a, a lesson, a, a message from your word. Lord, that there is, there is a depth that we have possibly never known. There is a step that we possibly have never taken. But I pray today that we would take that step as a church, as individuals, as husbands and wives, as dads, as moms, as grandparents. Lord, enable us in this moment in this world to make a commitment to nurture the tree that the fruit of faith can become stronger and stronger and stronger. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Just a moment, you may be seated. We're gonna walk out of here momentarily, but I want you to be seated for a moment. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. Please, please honor that request. This is a private moment right here. I would never speak to an audience like this without taking care of some very important business. I'd like to pray for some people in this room that today possibly you're sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Holden, I love God and I know that God loves me. But to be honest with you, Pastor, if Jesus Christ were to come or call for me today, I really do not have an assurance that I would be ready to meet him. I'm not in fellowship with, with Jesus like, like I should be. I don't wanna live another day like that. I wanna commit my life to Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to know that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven. And believe me, you can know that today. I promise you, you can know that today. It's not complicated. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, I'd like to pray for you right now, right where you are. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I'd like to pray for you right now. If that's you, slip your hand up for me right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. You may put them down. Are there others? Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in that prayer. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. You may put them down. Thank you. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer. Make it easier for those that are praying it. God's going to hear you when you pray. Pray with me these words. Pray them out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for dying on a cross, for rising from the grave, for my sins. At this moment, I'm sorry for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. 
I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I boldly declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you meant that from your heart, and I know you did, listen to me a moment. If you meant that from your heart, and I know you did, about 60 seconds ago, when you completed that prayer, God in heaven said to the recording angel, pick up the eternal pen and write a new name in the book of life. And that's your name. That's your name. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Now, listen carefully to my instructions. In a moment, we're going to stand. And the, the people that are interested in our health and well-being have asked us to cooperate in a special way in our, our church services, and we're going to do that. How many of you know we're going to do our best to do that? So when we stand in a moment, I'm going to bless you. I believe in spoken blessing. I'm going to bless you. If you need special prayer, I'm going to give you permission to move over to that prayer table right there. There'll be some people there that, that, that can pray with you and would be honored, and we would love for you to do that. The rest of us, when I officially dismiss you, I'm going to ask you, upon the request of our state government, do not congregate, do not congregate, but let's exit through that door row by row. Can we do that? Can we do that? One of the fruit of the Spirit is patience and long-suffering. So God will help you to do that. Now, let's stand together, shall we? I believe in the spoken blessing. I can prove to you in the Bible that spoken blessings make differences in people's lives. Put your right hand up high. I'm going to bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, rising up, lying down, coming in and going out. May all that you put your hands to be wonderfully blessed of God.